Good afternoon, guys. Um, welcome to our webinar, Evolutions webinar on freelancing within the gaming industry. Um, first and foremost, want to thank you to all of my guests for taking the time to participate in this. Uh, let's kick us off with some introductions. Uh, Christopher? Yes, hello. Uh, I'm, I'm Christopher. I just recently started uh, freelancing or consulting. Um, I've been in the games industry for about 15 years now. Uh, started out as a character artist, uh, been, then been uh, environment artist, lead artist, and now most recently art director. Um, worked with a bunch of different studios. Uh, and uh, yeah, right now I'm on a contract with King as art people manager. Perfect. Thank you for that. Uh, Ksenia? Hi, everyone. I'm Ksenia Koster. I am 34 and I live in Amsterdam. I have been working in the video games for eight years by now. And I build user acquisition departments for VR games publishers. Currently, I work with Beyond Frames Entertainment in Stockholm. Fantastic. Uh, Mark? Hi, everyone. My name is Mark. Uh, I'm 42 years old. I'm from the Netherlands, but I work at King in Stockholm. I've been in the game, gaming industry on and off since 2003 and a contractor since eight, nine months. Brilliant. And last but not least, uh, Martina. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Martina. I live in Poland, but work for Avalanche Studios Group in Stockholm as well, uh, in systemic reaction division, to be precise. I manage marketing things. So I am a product marketing manager and I work in, in game dev industry for four years now, but recently switched to be a freelancer. Brilliant. Thank you, everyone, for those quick introductions. Um, so first and foremost, I want to kick us off with a bit of an icebreaker, um, get us all loose and limber. So the question that I want to ask, really important, everyone's going to be dying to hear this in the chat, is that uh, what is your favorite flavor of ice cream? I can uh, start with that. I, yeah, I make my own ice cream, actually. I have an ice cream machine. And yesterday I made pear, chocolate, and canela. How do we call it in English? Cinnamon. Cinnamon. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, it, it's delicious. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a chocolate guy when it comes to really anything. So I, I, chocolate flavored ice cream, preferably with chocolate bits in it. And, and if I can, like some chocolate topping. That's, uh, that's how I like it. I like you, there, Christopher, but I like I really like the mint chocolate chip one with chocolate, of course. Yeah, for me, I'm, I just like soft ice cream, the soft serve, very basic, nothing on top of it, just basic that. And, uh, I generally don't buy it because once I once I start eating it, I can't stop. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand that. Okay, so lots of chocolate. Uh, very diverse answers there. Lots of chocolate from two people. Ksenia, I've never even heard of your flavor of ice cream, to be honest with you. Uh, it sounds amazing. Uh, yeah, you'll have to come over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, deal. <laughs> uh, okay, brilliant, brilliant. So thank you for those answers. So um, sent over some questions for you guys um, that we're going to be running through. Now, the first one um, that I've sent over, why did you become a freelancer? So obviously a couple of you are relatively new to the freelancing game. Uh, a couple of you have been freelancers for a bit longer. 
So we're going to have some nice diverse answers there. So does anyone want to kick us off with why they became a freelancer? Uh, I guess I can do that. I actually became a freelancer after my corporate career has hit a roadblock. When the corporate job no longer could offer me any room for growth, that's when I decided to go into freelancing. I made it to marketing director two times before I hit 30. And even though, you know, like the path to the top is always exciting, right there at the top, it's a lonely, uh, B, not super rewarding, at least for me personally. So I switched to freelancing just to have more room for growth. And as a freelancer, I get to learn way more. I have way more input on the things that are being decided. And um, I just feel that this is something that allows me also to combine a lot of activities and way more of product activities than was my corporate, very limiting, strictly marketing job. Brilliant, brilliant. Anyone else want to jump in? I can go. Absolutely. I mean, I'm as I mentioned in the introductions. I'm I'm very new. I'm I'm not even one month into uh, working as a consultant right now uh, or a contractor. But I do have some previous experience. Like ten years ago, I, I worked as a, uh, as a character artist freelancer for for a year or two, uh, something like that. Um, and I really like kind of the the freedom or. Like like uh, like Xenia said, I think it's like the how it kind of super boosts your your learning. Like you meet so many people, you so see so many different processes. You get to learn from so many different companies and their findings and their mistakes and 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 everything. So I think it's like a for me, it's a great thing to kind of go in and out from like uh, long term uh, steady uh, employment and then doing freelancing for a while to kind of get both of those worlds. Um, and, and then also like the freedom with having your own company. If, if I want to, I can take some time off to do some studies and stuff like that. And I can finance that through my company. And so I think there's a lot of good benefits to it. And now also with post COVID, uh, everybody's much more open to, to working remotely, which has made it much easier. I mean, I have a family and before, you know, last time I was sleeping on friend's sofas, I have to move all the way to all the different companies in different places, but now I can just for the most part stay at home. Yeah, I, I completely agree with Christopher, basically. Uh, and one, one thing that was also very, very positive side effect of switching from being an employee to being a contractor is the increase in income. <laughs> Can't deny it. It's a very, uh, very uh, good <laughs> Absolutely. But for me, as, but for me personally, it's also very much the freedom. I just like doing my own thing. And if I just want to stop or, you know, just take a month off, then I can do that just like that after a contract and uh, as an employee that's so much harder so uh, that's a big big benefit for me yeah i i agree with all of you guys uh, it's the same for me i have a five-year-old son so moving to another country would be really difficult so freelancing is the way to go here uh, because most uh, companies when you're on a working contract would like you to relocate and for me, that would be super difficult. And also the diversity of projects we can work on. It's just amazing. So meeting new people, working on amazing products, projects, that's something that drives me into freelancing. I just want to jump on that one. It was extremely important for me because like uh, video game scene is not huge in the Netherlands. And if I wanted to continue working with what I like and with the products that excite me, had to do business internationally. 
And before I was a freelancer, it was way more difficult. And of course, yes, COVID helped. Brilliant, brilliant. A um, couple of questions just jumping in there. So, June, I do see your question about taxes. Uh, we're probably going to get into that a little bit later on, so I will come back to that one. Um, but a question that has just been asked by Leonardo, um, how big is the increase in pay in, on average? Um, is there an average hourly rate in Stockholm? I think that's one that I actually may be able to answer along with you guys as well. Um, in, in terms of the permanent market, I don't know what the average salary is, to be honest with you, because we don't really do that here. So I can't tell you the comparison or anything like that. Uh, obviously, it depends on your role and what what you're doing. Um, and like you guys said, the hourly pay is quite nice compared to permanent. I mean, you guys can jump in and tell me and tell the viewers as well what you're getting paid well not exactly what you're getting paid but in comparison a little bit is it is it more is it significantly more is it a little bit more i mean more, I can more, say... more than double more than double for you more than double but there is of course one thing you have to remember it's that uh, as an employee it's income to you personally but now it's income to your company so you can't just take it out and do with it what you can what you would have normally you still have to pay a lot of more extra taxes so it's yeah you have but still i think it's more than double have to cover vacations, insurance, mm -hmm. uh, a bunch of stuff like that. But, but same here, it's it's uh, a bit above. Like, because I was looking around for for full time positions a little bit before I made this decision, and I, I know kind of what I'm worth on the market now, and it's I would say it's between two and three times more that I invoice uh, every month. Yeah, it's about uh, three times if I take into account that actually for me, uh, I'm good at accounting, I enjoy it. And this just made me much more capable of running my personal and my business accounts together. Uh, it's triple because now I have the flexibility, which I didn't have before as an employee when it just the tax is deducted and that's it. And considering that in video games, we consume a lot of hardware, a lot of software. There are very many things that kind of come with your business to your house. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. So uh, I'll come back to more questions in the chat as we go. Um, next question that I sent to you guys then. So why do you want to work in the gaming sector? Oh, I can start with this one. <laughs> um, I studied cognitive science and I really wanted to combine something that I've studied, which is, for example, computer mind connection, the user experience and everything connected to uh, how brain is actually working. Uh, how can I connect it to something that we know uh, from our daily life? And then gaming happened. And um, I found out that there are a lot of connections between cognitive science and game dev industry. Uh, so I tried to get into my first uh, company, which was Vivid Games, mobile game company. And I got in and that's how I started. So that was uh, my purpose here. I can, I can go. I mean, I'm, I kind of, uh, 
I, I a little bit ended up in games as a little bit of an accident, but I, I always were very passionate and interested in kind of creating worlds and, and creating experiences that engage people. And uh, I think that uh, games is very unique there com compared to many other uh, forms of entertainment in the inter in, in interactivity with it. And um, I, I just, um, I kind of, I, I was focused on film and I ended up uh, getting a job as my first job in the games industry. I tried going back to movies and VFX a little bit, but I ended up coming back to 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 games because I think I get everything I want out of a a job in in the games industry. Really, now for me it was a bit different. To me, this question is difficult in itself because I never wanted to do anything else but video games. So I was always motivated to join that market, but it was difficult. It was very difficult. There were no no such options from where I come from. Uh, so I started my career in film as the closest relative, so to say, in being audiovisual and just worked up until I made it into video games. And I'm doing it because I'm a gamer. Yeah, exactly. The same applies for me. I've been uh, fascinated with computers since the age of eight. Uh, my dad bought this Philips P2000 super old computer and he got a book from the library with 30 game source codes printed in it. And you just spent half an hour writing the stuff from the book and you had a game. And I was fascinated with that. I started like tingling with it, tinkling with it and seeing what, what would change if I changed stuff. And I was fascinated and I've, I've never wanted to do anything else than be in games. Yeah, you reminded me. My dad also got me a PC, but he didn't get me a PC. He just got me parts and he got a stack of CDs with games. And he said, like, you want to play these, you have to build that yourself. <laughs> I was maybe eight or nine, so I assembled my first PC myself. Took me a few weeks, but I was very motivated. Brilliant, brilliant. I was waiting for somebody to jump in and say, I just love games. I'm a gamer. I want to play games all the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, brilliant. Um, so on the other side of that, then, why have you stayed in the gaming industry? Yeah, I can go I again. Uh, already, it's like yeah, I don't yeah, want to do anything else. <laughs> I actually, for a very short period, did try other stuff like business to business uh, backends and medical stuff, but I, I it wasn't for me. I, I didn't like it. I wasn't motivated, so I just uh, I found my way back into the gaming industry, and uh, I don't think I'll ever leave it again. Mm, I think uh, I'm fully on here with Mark because I did a little gig in e-commerce. I little, did a little gig in femtech, just figuring out, uh, you know, around 30, you want to experiment, figure out if it's really your thing. Just never got the same drive. For me, it's people, uh, the people that you get to work with, because uh, from marketing perspective, I get to work with everyone literally everyone from a programmer to an artist and all of them have uh, amazing experience and all of them have different feeling about the game because they do something separately but at the end of the day we all work on the same product and each and every feedback is very valuable so i love people and they are so creative and most of my closest friends are from game dev industry because we get each other and when we talk about work like we can't really stop because everyone is working on something exciting so for me it's definitely people yeah i agree it's 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 such a collaborative 
uh, environment to work with games. Uh, it's there's just so many uh, so many parts to it, and they all need to function together. Uh, so so you re you get really good at collaborating with people, and also it's the whole industry is just over the 15 years I've been in it. It's just the the pace in which things improve and and evolve. It's just so high. It's, it just never gets boring. It's just new things all the time to kind of adapt to. I think that's really, really cool. And and, and first of all, for my part, it's just it's so incredibly creative. Um, and one thing I want to say as well about staying in the industry is, is that I think just in the past like 10 years or so, it's changed a lot in terms of the old kind of the old... Um, thing where you know people were doing these death crunches and you know there were no way for you to have a family in parallel with working with the games at least in the Swedish game industry that I mean you don't really see that uh, anymore I think it's 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 much more mature now as an industry you have you know people are it's been around for long enough to people get there's quite a lot of people who have families and you know and there's a high competition about the competence as well so the companies you know you, you can't really survive if you have that really harsh crunch culture anymore and that's really allowed me to stay with having a family and two kids and everything so yeah okay brilliant yeah i think uh, it's a really interesting point that one christopher obviously crunch is such a big word in the gaming industry and has been for such a long time but it yeah. seems that the industry has kind of had a bit of a facelift with stuff like that and don't get me wrong people still use the term crunch a fair bit but it seems that people are, and companies especially, are taking more care of their employees and contractors as well. So it's much less of a, you can't see your family for a week because we've got a deadline coming up or yeah. something like that. Um, okay, brilliant, brilliant. Um, so next question then. So which studios have you guys worked for? And uh, could you just give us like a brief description of your experiences working there? I can start. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, I, as a freelancer, I've uh, so far only worked at King, but interestingly, I've also worked there as an employee eight years ago. That's when I moved to Sweden from the Netherlands. So I've seen both sides of the coin at King. And the interesting part for me is, is that uh, I, I know I'm there under very different circumstances, but it feels the exact same to me. I have the exact same drive to help the company and to produce pr good results and, and, and do, do cool stuff for the company. Colleagues treat you the exact same way. There is absolutely no difference at King between being an employee or, or a contractor. Everybody's always friendly. Everybody's always nice. Um, there are some downsides to being a, a contractor. There's a lot of benefits as an employee that you're not getting. But yeah, you, you can take care of it yourself uh, through your own company most of the time anyway. So, um, And then the weirdest thing recently, actually, is I've, due to Corona, I haven't been at the office much. Uh, and for the first time, I, I had a fika uh, at, uh, at the office a week ago, and it feels I f it felt like I was a guest at a hotel or something. It, it's really, really, really weird. Um, so it's it's interesting experience uh, ha being having been an employee and now being a contractor at the same company, but uh, very positive. Yeah, I'm also very new as a contractor, so I can't say that much. Uh, but I, as I said before, I've been kind of going back and forth between employment and, and contracting. So I started as an um, employee and then I took like two years of contracting. And then I've been doing a bunch of years, 11 years or something as an employee, employee and now back to contracting. But now I'm, I'm with King. Uh, but I, yeah, I think it's... Um, 
Uh, but yeah, obviously I've been with a bunch of companies before and I, and I really think it's like, a, it's, I think it's great to be able to move between it a little bit over your career to kind of get both sides of it. Because I think there are unique learnings to both sides of that. And, and now I feel like I'm ready to take uh, some, some years of, of contracting again. Uh, Okay, I guess uh, I can tell about working with Tiny Build. Uh, I actually, in my corporate career, I worked with dozens of studios. That was one of the privileges of my position. I was a person who launches games. I still am the person who launches games. I usually join studios around the time that they've got a major launch and they need somebody really fast and really experienced. Um, but the latest one before Beyond Frames was Tiny Build, and they are a very fun bunch. They are extremely fast growing, and you can feel it, uh, you know, it feels like a teenager company when it, some functions have already developed to its full length and size, and some are still not there. So one day you do this, and the other day you just step three steps back and write a newsletter. Because it can happen that there is nobody to do that. Just right now, I was like doing an automated uh, asset production and now a newsletter because that happens. That's part of the industry and that's part of the job. Mm, I never shied away from it. Hands-on work is something that is super rewarding in freelancing. We get to do many things ourselves, at least me. And I really appreciated Tiny Build for being so open and uh, willing to work with freelancers just as if they're staff. There, was, there were no lines ever drawn. And to, say, to tell you honestly, I've never experienced it as a freelancer. What you said about Kingmark is, is pretty much relevant, at least for the companies I worked with. Brilliant. Uh, Martina, what are your thoughts? Um... I totally agree with Xenia because we both work in marketing. So yes, that's uh, we are needed around lunch, I would say, not uh, during the full process of development. However, I was working um, for more than three years uh, for mobile games companies where usually you don't have one or two projects or three. Uh, you have uh, five, 10 or 15 at the same time where the marketing department is needed for the whole time. Uh, whereas in PC console gaming, game dev, um, it's not necessarily to have a full marketing team for the whole process of production the game. Uh, we are needed usually at the end of production to um, plan everything for launch and post-launch. Okay, brilliant. Um, yeah, I think it's a bit different for you, Martina and Ksenia, because you have both come from, now you're working for Swedish studios, obviously, but uh, previously you've worked for studios in Europe. So uh, it's a bit of a different experience and for you guys. In the US, actually. <laughs> and that's a huge difference. Like working yeah. with, uh, in the same hour zone is much easier, at least for me. I'm mm. a morning person and working US hours was pretty grueling and if it wasn't for the sheer uh, ingeniousness of some of the games that i was releasing there it would be very difficult to hold up the motivation to pull the hours but just the pitches sometimes that would come in were enough you know like to brighten up an evening <laughs> 
Okay, brilliant, brilliant. Uh, and the the next question that I'm going to ask kind of links to a couple of questions that we got from um, people who are watching. So I'll go through those questions in a second and see if we can answer those at the same time as this, really. Um, but can someone tell me like what concerns they had about freelancing prior to becoming a freelancer? Uh, I might jump to Christopher first, if you don't mind, just because I know you have very recently gone back into freelancing. So yeah. you might have the most recent kind of experience doing this. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's. Um, I think my, my greatest worry was because of a burn that I got the first time around. Um, the first time I, I kind of started my own company to do freelancing, I, I didn't research it enough. Also, uh, for reasons we don't need to cover here, I started a company in Germany and I don't even speak German. Uh, so that made things harder, uh, so to say. Um, but um, so, yeah, I burned a little bit there on like all the bu bureaucracy uh, that I wasn't pre prepared for. And, and just the thought of it still stressed me out a little bit. Uh, but I mean, luckily, I kind of at least at least I knew it in advance now. So I made sure to like everything that I could put on someone else, pay someone else to do for me, uh, I did now. So I made sure to get like Redo um, Business um, Consult uh, early on that helps me with, with my taxes and all that stuff and even helped me set up the company. Um, then, of course, you know, there's always a little bit of that worry that, you know, will I find something new when my contract runs out and, and all that stuff. But to be honest, I, as I said, I just I kind of tested the market a little bit before I decided this. And I also been employing a lot of people recently in my last company. I actually worked where uh, Martina works now at uh, Avalon Studios, Systemic Reaction. Uh, and I did hire a lot of people there. Uh, and it's it's not easy to find talent. Um, and knowing that, I felt that if I'm ever going to try it, now is, is a really good time because the market is just screaming for people. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that's there, there, there are some worries, and there were some worries, but I think uh, I was better prepared to handle it now. And, and also, it's, it's a good time to try it out, out if you want to. That's how I felt, at least. I completely agree on the on the whole running a company thing. Since I'm from the Netherlands and I'm living in Sweden, I sort of had the same uh, worries, like, oh, how will it be? And uh, what will the bureaucracy be like? And uh, But in, in hindsight, it was trivial. Uh, the Swedish government is organized well enough uh, uh, for, it to, 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 for everything to be really simple, actually. And um, I, I found a friend that, uh, that, is, that is a consultant. And anytime I have questions, I just, uh, or a consultant, uh, accountant, sorry. I just asked him uh, for, for help. And it, it turned out to be fairly straightforward. And once, you, once you've done everything, once or twice then you just you just repeat it every month and it's it's not that difficult so the, the biggest concern i had turned out to be nothing really just running the company is fairly straightforward so my concern was connected to health and my family uh, because as you know usually when free freelancer doesn't work he or she doesn't get paid so when a kid is sick and has to be taken care of or I am sick or something I need to take uh, days off that I'm not paid for so that was something that was like hmm what if something happens right 
but uh, I am super lucky because I have a lot of backup uh, inside my family. They are super keen to take care of uh, my family, my, my son, when something happens. So I am lucky enough to have a lot of help and together with my husband, we both are freelancers, so we both understand um, the pros and cons here. Uh, there's no... Um, situation like oh you're on a contract so now you take days off right all of them no no uh we are equal and on even page here so um yeah that was my concern Kisanya? yeah that's good for you martina <laughs> uh, my partner is employee <laughs> he doesn't fully get it sometimes about days off and going like yeah you're a freelancer you're free to do what you want but that wasn't my biggest concern actually when i was becoming a freelancer it was a bit funny because i really didn't want to i completely didn't want to the only reason that actually convinced me was just looking at the numbers understanding that this is the way that i'm meeting my financial goals no other way employment just doesn't get me there uh, and my biggest concern was reputation. I know it sounds funny, but uh, freelancers have that flair of digital nomadism uh, that I personally just don't dig and just didn't want to be associated with that crowd, even though perfect people, nothing against them. But it turned out that my prejudice was completely wrong. Freelancers come in all statuses, sizes, places in the world it doesn't have to be what my prejudice told me it was so i kind of humbled down and understood that maybe i should be a bit less judgy okay brilliant brilliant so i'm going to jump in with some of the questions that we got uh, from the audience there because they kind of relate to some of the things that were mentioned um I think, Mark, this goes back to what you were saying. So question from Aitor was, uh, what was the paperwork like in order to set up things before you could freelance? Uh, did you do it by yourself or did you get professional advice? Um, uh, I, I did everything myself. I, uh, I, I read enough Swedish to, to be able to handle the Skatteverket uh, and Verksand websites. And uh, it's, it's, yeah, as I said, <laughs> fairly straightforward. You just it's just a, a wizard you click through essentially and at some point they ask you to go to a bank deposit 25,000 kroner in there and uh, and when you're done the wizard continues a couple of days later and uh, at the end you, you hit finish and uh, you wait a while and if tax-wise everything is in order you get confirmation you have your AB it's it wasn't that it wasn't much more than that paperwork was really easy actually everything is digital in Sweden except for the yearly reporting that for some reason you have to do by paper unless you're a mega corporation then you can do it digitally but uh, if you're small then you have to do that by paper but anything else is uh is digital and and, and quite often there are english versions available if you're an expert like me so uh, that makes it easy i'd like to add in there as well that i think it's uh mark you said that you had a account a accountant friend i think for me at least i would recommend like, because even though it's it's very straightforward, th there are things, at least for me, that I ran into was like, I don't really understand this, or like, how do I exactly fill this in? Or what does it mean if I fill this in? Can I change it later? Or like, I, I want to do that, not exactly this, but do I still click this one? Um, so for me, it was really good to kind of go immediately before I started that process and find a, a redovisions consult to kind of know it 
and then just go, hey, I'm, I want to employ you to doing my taxes later on. Can you just help me through this process? And they were super happy to just, you know, they want more people, uh, of course, to, to pay them to, to do things. So that was really nice to have that contact um, right from the start where I just go, hey, I just filled this in, filled this in over here. Is that correct? It's like, yeah, you can do that. And, or like, oh, it just means this. So, you know, you don't need to worry about that or whatever. Just to kind of have someone to have that conversation with. Of course, you can go directly to Skattevacket or Vaxant. Uh, I don't know how quick they are on, on answering, but that that was really more of a kind of a comfort thing for me uh, to go through the process. Okay. All right, brilliant. Um, so a question that I've got here from Leonardo, I may be able to help with it as well, but I want to hear your guys, if you've got any experience with this, I'm, I'm not even sure myself if you do or not. Um, so is it possible to have more than one person working under the same company slash AB? Um, does anyone here have any yeah. experience? or? Have... Uh, yes, I have experience with that and that's perfectly fine. It's no problem. It basically works the exact same thing. And if this person works for your company for three months or more in Sweden, uh, and there's some other details, but then you can get tax benefits for the first two or three uh, employees even. So it's perfectly fine. Perfect. Nice, uh, simple answer there for you, uh, Leonardo. Uh, <laughs> and a question from Roger that I think uh, links back to what someone said earlier. I'm not too sure who it was, but um, how do you do work-life balance? Um, so do you take holidays when your clients' employees have national holidays or do you take large chunks of holidays between contracts? So I, I, I just kind of started this like one month before like the Swedish holidays start and I'm like, uh, I'm Swedish, so I do it the Swedish way. So I just go in and put in a big chunk of five weeks in summer because, you know, the rest of the year is shit here. Uh, <laughs> so, um, uh, so um, yeah, it's to me, it was just, no problem really uh with king i just told them I, I looked a little bit in the calendar of my direct reports and the people around me uh who were doing similar work that maybe could cover for me and just kind of see if we could adjust a little bit to make make sure that we covered as much as possible but really most people take vacations about the same time over here at least so um it it wasn't really a problem i just told them i'm not going to be coming in these five weeks and they just went okay just don't invoice us for them then uh, it wasn't really harder than that yeah, same experience for me. Yeah. And the opposite for me, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, um, so as you said, in Sweden, there is like one or one and a half month of summer uh, when everyone takes um, days off or companies are closed, uh, you know. Uh, but here in Poland, we don't have such stuff. So uh, schools and kindergartens are closed. So you have to do something with your kid. Uh, but then everyone like mostly work, except for example, two weeks that you go somewhere with your family for vacations. So I just set up my two weeks uh, regardless, like similarly to my company when most of the employees will be out so we can all be out on the same time and everyone will be uh, on the same page when we will be back and everyone will be working on the project still okay brilliant uh, a question that i want to jump in with quickly it's not like directly been asked in the uh, chat but it was mentioned by somebody i don't know if anyone has got any experience that they can uh, share. Um, so somebody said before setting up your own company to try freelancing, um, 
somebody recommends having their invoicing done through an external company. Um, has anyone here done that at all, or have they always had their own AB? Always had my own AB. Always had your own AB. Anyone Wait else? Yeah, yeah. It's just easier to set it to set it up than to find a person you trust enough, huh? <laughs> okay, I'll jump in there then. So, um, as as brokers here at Evolution, we we can't recommend whether you set up your own AB or use an umbrella company. It's completely up to to you and your circumstances. If you are a first time freelancer and you're nervous about doing the taxes and all the paperwork, etc., uh, which I completely understand, then going through an umbrella could be a good option for you because they handle all of that and you just have to sort your timesheet uh, and then just work basically so it could be a good option for you having your own ab does make things a lot easier and you save yourself some money it's it's quite beneficial to have your own ab and like i as i said i haven't tried going through a invoicing uh company or anything like that but but you miss on a lot of the really good stuff about uh, consulting or freelancing if you if you do it that way. I mean, you, you can manage your um, your taxes and your salary in a much better way. You can you can you can buy things to your company. Like if you need uh, a computer or anything, you can buy that through the company. And uh, you can um, um, it's just things that because because at least in Sweden, you know, you, your your taxes get higher the more salary you take out, and you don't really have the option to kind of even out your salary in the same way if you go through a company. Uh, but if you have an AB, you can you can kind of, you know, I, I'm I'm going to be paying myself for vacation. Um, mm -hmm. But if you if you go through an invoicing uh, company that 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 kind of d does it for you, you just get everything as a chunk. I think at least correct me if I'm wrong here. I haven't done this before, but uh but um that that and they pay you everything in salary immediately which means that you pay a lot more taxes than you need to if you just kind of even it out over more months or, or take it out as a what do you call it i don't even know what the english word is dividend you mean yeah dividends perfect okay uh on to uh the next question then and this also covers a question that uh, a second question that ator asked um what would be your advice for first-time freelancers? Uh, and Martin, I'm going to come to you first for that one. Mm, don't be afraid. <laughs> because I also was uh, working only on work contracts, permanent contracts um, in Poland. And then I really wanted to start working outside Poland because I knew like my options in Poland are limited. And yeah, just like this first step is hardest. And then you can like, there are no boundaries basically when you can work remotely during those days, you can work for everyone and uh, make your dream job. Brilliant. Uh, Ksenia, you got any thoughts on that one? Uh, yeah, sure. I'm a bit more practical. I would say um, that it's very important to find a selling angle and your selling angle. Because a beginner freelancer might think that, oh, there are these 33 skills that I have and I should list them all on my price list because they're all super valuable. Yes, you're right. They are valuable. And <laughs> the fact is that you're going to use all the 33 of them. But, you know, for example, my strongest skill and thing I do every day is actually competitive strategy. That's what I do. I see the whole market as a sort of a very multiplayer chessboard, and I win that game consistently. 
The problem is that when I try to explain it to potential customers that I do competitive strategy, they didn't get it. And after that, I kind of started listening actively to what were the problems of potential customers and what were the pain points. And they just kept repeating the same thing. I'm not sure why my user acquisition doesn't work. <laughs> On my to-do list, maybe 10% changed of the tasks that I do. I still do basically competitive strategy and tactics. I just call it user acquisition now. And this is what I call finding a selling angle. Uh, yeah, there are very many things that I know how to do, but it's just one pain point that really matters. Mark, do you uh, want to jump in for your advice for first-time freelancers? Uh, yeah, to programmers, just do it. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's so much better life. So, And uh, I was scared about all the technicalities beforehand. That really held me back for a while. Like, ah, I'm running the company. Am I really going to do that? I had done like the sole proprietorship, but that's very different in terms of taxes uh, and way, way simpler. Uh, but running a proper AB here in Sweden is, is a bit, bit more challenging than, the, than the, the sole proprietorship and that helped me back but yeah as soon as I decided to go for it and I realized that there was nothing to be scared of at all it's just you know don't don't let your fear of the unknown stop you basically uh, Christopher um, yeah I mean I think um, I, I think I'll just fall back to what what I said before it's it's yeah. and that's just because my own my own uh, burn that I had ten years ago—it's—it's—it's it's, it's quite comfortable to have someone that could, at least, if, if you're like me and feel that that bureaucracy is a little bit scary, uh, get someone early on that can answer your questions and comfort you and can help you through that process. That was a lot, very made, made a big difference for me. Um, and uh, yeah, and I think both Ksenia and Mark said very valuable things. Also, on what Ksenia said is, is it's. Um, it's kind of good to for you to be very clear about what what the exact values you are that you bring to companies so you can you can sell yourself um, because in this case it, it might not always be that the company is out with an ad and going like hey we're looking for someone that can do this it, it might be also you that needs to be much more selling and go to go and advertise yourself and then it's, it's very good if you are very aware of the value you bring to, to companies and can bring to companies Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, thank you all for your insights there. Uh, a question that we've got from George. Um, what were some unexpected negatives to freelancing when you first started and how did you remedy them? How did you fix those? Um, has anyone got any negatives that they can think of straight away? Not, not really, actually. Thinking about it, there was... Nothing unexpected, negative, no? I mean, yeah, the perfect answer is no, it's been smooth sailing the whole way through. And there's, there's I, I no sorry. negatives at all. I, I, I can't make anything up. No, there was nothing. No, no I, I, I do have one. Uh, when I just started out, I did this mistake of not figuring out how to qualify my clients. Because as a freelancer, there is nobody to delegate to. So if my work as a marketer, and I'm pretty sure Martina will agree here, we need an infrastructure. We need people who are going to make the videos and shoot the footage and do the CG 
and do the voiceovers and do the localizations. We need those people. This is the infrastructure and there are some things that we can't do ourselves. So what I didn't do right in uh, my first contract is figure out if the client has everything I need for me to deliver them the maximum of my value. Uh, so by now, like, for instance, the first question that I asked at any introduction, you know, that is about sales. Uh, the first question I ask is like, okay, what's your influencer strategy? What's your influencer budget? Because I know that the company that doesn't do influencer marketing in my field uh, will not profit from user acquisition in the first place. So if they step into going like, yeah, we want to make paid ads, I say like, you have to do both. And I think this was uh, the uh, first negative when I figured out that, yeah, there's, <laughs> it's not like my corporate job was where there would be a department where I could go and borrow a person. If there's nobody doing localization, I just can't deliver. I have one thing that is kind of, um, it's a positive and it's mostly a positive actually, but if you handle it wrong, it's, it's a negative. And this might also so, sound like a, like a humble brag, but I want to say that it's when you kind of go out of full employment where you usually are restricted to taking on more than one um, task or like you're, you're restricted to work with only the company that employs you. Now, as a contractor, you can you can take on as many jobs as you can handle, basically. Um, and and when you get in a lot of really really interesting um, opportunities on in front of you, it's very easy to say yes too much. Um, and kind of, and that might actually be a good tip for for new starters as well. Like practice saying no because because at least right now, as I said in the games industry, there's a lot of people screaming for good talent. And you're probably going to get more uh, interesting opportunities than you can handle. And you, you're going to want to say yes to all of them. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, pace yourself. On the other hand, I have a comment to what just Christopher said. Yes, I would also say um, learn to how to say no. Because, for example, if there is a contract that doesn't suit you, but there is one and you're like, yeah, I'm going to take it because... I'm free at the moment and I have to do something. Think twice if you really want to do something that doesn't make you happy and won't fulfill your um, abilities um, or you want to uh, wait for opportunity that fits you. And on the other hand, if the contract that you started doesn't really uh, fit what you expected, also, you can say no because contract works both ways, right? You can terminate it as well as your company can terminate it. So bear that in mind as well. Brilliant. Um, so one more question from me then, and I'll, I'll then just go through any final questions that we have from the chat. Uh, and I can see people replying there. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Ksenia. Um, <laughs> This is a bit of a, uh, could, could go on for ages, this question. So I'm going to say try and keep it relatively brief. Uh, so thoughts on the gaming industry currently? And obviously we all know the gaming industry, a lot is happening constantly. So there's a lot to be said. Um, actually, this is uh, this is one of the reasons that actually as well, that it felt like a good time to go into consulting just because 
there are so many exciting things happening and it feels like it's like just about to explode into even more like the, the gaming industry feels like it's at the verge of becoming much bigger and much wider in in what it is in in its kind of definition you know you, you got uh, like you get the film and 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 um, and games coming much closer to each other you get like mobile and console coming much closer to each other you get vr really taking off you got the 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 nft stuff going on you got the metaverse you know it's like it's so much really really cool stuff that it's just it's just like it's it feels like it's just taking off um and uh and it's just like uh it feels like an interesting time to be quite agile in being able to move between different interesting companies and 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 um, and uh, missions um, and contracts and, and and also on on top of that I think also that because there's a lot of scares about like the like a recession now in in, in newspapers and stuff like that and, and and I think just on the games industry today just because there is there's constantly more people playing games and we're reaching different different demographics all the time and it just feels like. It feels like the gaming industry is going to do quite well, even if we hit a recession. And, and, and that's another talk I have on, on the gaming industry right now that feels quite re relevant to maybe bring up. Uh, I mean, it's it's um, if people lose their jobs, they're going to want to spend their time on something else. And a lot of people enjoy games. Uh, it might be a little bit macabre to talk about, I think, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm quite... It, it feels like a fairly good industry to be in if we're heading for, for worse times. I absolutely jump that bandwagon uh actually this, this was my first thing like recession is coming great times are coming for the video games industry because for any digital entertainment recession is great uh on one hand side people have less money to spend on luxury vaca vacations on a tropical island just can't afford that anymore on the other hand side they have more need than ever to be carried away from their troubles at least for a couple of hours uh, which makes a great opportunity, especially for indie games. It might be a hit for the triple A's, you know, the $70 game. Uh, I understand why it's a hit, because $70 is a lot. Uh, but for indies, there will be new names that will come out soaring from this recession. And uh, yeah, I think Christopher is absolutely correct here. It's a very good time to become uh, a, a free freelancer in video games. I should add on top of that as well that I actually the last time I did freelancing was a result of the whole Lehman Brothers thing and and there was a lot of layoffs in the companies and that's kind of uh, a lot I it sounds like it might be scary to go into consulting now because oh you know it's easy to get rid of a consultant but also people studios can also be become afraid of hiring because they're, they're unsure of their future and then it's you know it's it's easier to get rid of a consultant that might actually work in your favor as a consultant in the, those times it can go a little bit both ways there yeah, definitely um mark do you have any thoughts on the gaming industry currently uh well while i don't disagree with anything that's been said before uh for me personally it doesn't always move in the right direction because i i, I might be getting old but uh i like what i like i like games the most like at the end of the 90s early 2000s the games from that era that's what works the best for me and they're relatively simple uh they're not very complicated they, you can't develop your character you just walk single player through a, through a world and 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 that's what you do and and nowadays games are getting 
too complicated for my taste personally. It's it's my you know like old, old school games is really what I like. So I'm always looking for those and trying to recreate that feeling in whatever projects I develop myself uh, because I just love that. And and yeah, nowadays games games are going in a different direction than than my preference. So, it's yeah. it's a lot about building community around your game now and get players in mm. and get them to stay and I, and I think that's it it tends to make many games feel a little bit bloated I can agree with that uh, yeah. it might also be one of those things that that uh, since a lot of games are kind of a lot of studios are trying to achieve that now that might also be the thing that kind of has has the the winner like the the, the this if you can only afford to buy one really good. $70 game, then then you might want to buy something that there is a good community or something you can keep playing and buy content for for a long time uh, or get free updates or whatever. So that might also be something interesting to kind of, that might kind of determine how it goes if we ent ent enter a recession mm. for different companies. We are, we are coming up to nearly the end of this webinar, guys. But Martina, just before we do, what are your thoughts on the gaming industry at the minute? Mm for me it's just constantly evolving uh from the trends i've seen on this year gdc which is game developers conference the hottest topics are metaverse dnft um the whole blockchain and i would say also esport that is growing um because people right now like esport is getting like really big and super real um, so there are a few things, few new things. Uh, we don't know what direction will they take in the future, but the industry is growing and it's growing super rapidly with the technology that we can now access. Like literally everyone can build a game from scratch just by using free tools online. So we, I think we are in a good point of... Uh, have, having an opportunity to see this growth and to learn from other people as well. That's a really great point, yeah. how accessible it's become to make games and becoming like all the time. Uh, that's a really good point. Yeah, definitely. And um, like you said earlier, Christopher, you don't want the conversation to become macabre at any point, but um, <laughs> obviously with... Uh, probably impending recession coming up. We just have to look back at the pandemic a little bit because um, the gaming industry did brilliantly, you yeah. know? Um, again, a bit macabre, but uh, it did. That's <laughs> just the facts of it. Um, there is an interesting question I want to ask, and uh, we've only got a couple of minutes really, but um, could be an interesting one. NFTs in games, obviously that was mentioned slightly. Um, at the minute, I would say, and I think it's fairly noticeable. They have a fairly bad reputation among gamers. Um, does anyone here have any thoughts whether that's a temporary trend or is it irreversible and they're always going to be looked upon as a negative thing for the gaming industry? Does anyone have any thoughts on it? That's a big prediction. <laughs> gamers will treat anyone well as long as they are treated well back but just look at the communication around nfts what nfts are saying that finally you're going to play to make money profit to make something that's not why people play games people play to play and taking away the entertainment out of it and replacing it with crime is just uh, immoral 
Uh, on the other hand, I would say that uh, the trend with uh, P2E, which is paid to earn games, will be growing because people will see the opportunity to together like how to combine entertainment with somehow um, getting some money out of it and that's also connected to blockchain and nft so like all of those technologies are relatively new uh so i would say we should observe and see where the trend will go okay. yeah, yeah i think sorry go on Ksenia. now that you mention it indeed there is also a very big flare of gambling and um the border between traditional gaming and gambling is, of course, very blurred. But we cannot deny that uh, anything that is when you play for any other motivation rather than playing uh, monetary motivation, that turns into gambling. And that's there will be always people who like to gamble. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as that's transparent and they are adult people who can make that decision for themselves. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. I thought I'd uh, get your thoughts and opinions on that one because it is becoming more prevalent in the gaming industry. Uh, as someone's mentioned in the comments, jobs for NFTs in gaming are becoming you know, quite a big thing. There's lots out there, um, but they do have that reputation currently. Be interesting to see anyway, one to keep an eye on for everyone interested in gaming. Um, so, yeah... I want to say thank you, everyone who's participated here uh, for your time. I think we've had some fantastic insights um, and the people watching uh, would be very grateful as well. Um, if anyone in the chat has any further questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Um, I can always ask everyone here who's participated or I may be able to answer yourself. Um, but that is about all for this webinar. So thank you, everyone. Really appreciate it. Um, and we will see you all next time. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thank you.